0: Good morning. It is a joy to be together. If this is the first time that you are with us, whether online or here in the sanctuary, let me particularly welcome you. If you've uh, just started to come, we uh, pray that you are beginning to feel at home. If you have questions about how to get settled into life, please come talk to Goody myself. Uh, we'd be glad to get you connected. There is, uh, if you've been here a while... Again, let me encourage you, sort of, with the the reset of coming back. This is a good opportunity to introduce ourselves to people uh, we don't know. There's no embarrassment in saying uh, I haven't seen you in years, right? And uh, <laughs> so, so, please uh, take the risk of introducing yourself to someone you don't know, and let's strengthen those those ties that bind us together. Uh, there is a, a black pad there in your pew. If you could take that and sign that, and uh, that would be. Helpful for us knowing who's here this morning. We are continuing in our uh, journeys with Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. And we find ourselves this morning in Mark chapter 6, beginning with verse 30. You remember earlier in chapter 6, Jesus sent out the 12, uh, two by two, to go into the villages in Galilee, and to preach, and to heal, and uh, they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons, anointed many sick people with oil, and healed them, and then we had this sort of uh, interlude or sandwich uh, last week of telling a story about John the Baptist being beheaded, and we return now to the disciples returning to Jesus after this mission. Listen to God's word to us from Mark 6, verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a a lonely place, a desert place, a wilderness place, and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was five thousand. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I want you this morning to imagine that you were one of these disciples of Jesus. You have been sent out By Jesus with a partner, entering that first village you went to, you were scared to death. What are you gonna do? He didn't give us very explicit directions. We're supposed to preach and heal. And so what do you do? You you find a lame beggar, you start talking to him because they can't run away, right? And and you start telling them what Jesus had taught you about the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of heaven is near. And after a few minutes, there's a Maybe about 15 people who'd come around and and wanted to hear more about this kingdom of God. And somebody said, Well, what's this kingdom like? And your partner said, and not sure this was a good idea, but your partner said it's the place where God will make us whole. He will cleanse us and heal all our diseases. And someone else said, Well, if this kingdom is near, why are we all sick? Why are so many illnesses still around? And and then the lame man says, Yeah, and why can't I walk? Right? And you look at your partner. And you nod and think, well, that's what he told us to do, right? And so you kneel down and you place your hands on the man's legs and you say, you know, in the name and authority of Jesus of Nazareth, be healed. And he was, right? And, and by that time, a larger crowd had gone around and, and amazing, it's happened over and over again. You in the, We don't know how long the trip was. Maybe it was a couple weeks. They went to five or six villages. Some couple villages, people said, Get out of here. We don't believe you. But most of the time, people heard, listened to what they had to say, and they were able to heal people. They were able to cast out demons. God set them free through you. And at the appointed time, then you hurry back to Capernaum to meet with Jesus and with your other disciples to report back what had happened. And as you all gathered there, perhaps it was in Peter's house, people began to tell the stories of what had happened. A couple of the other disciples got to tell their story, but soon crowds had gathered and people kept asking Jesus questions and then asking him to heal them. But you also notice this crowd was a little different. It wasn't just the sick and the women and the poor, there were more men in this crowd. You knew some of them. They were radical types. Some of them were were zealots. You saw them coming in groups and listening intently to Jesus and then excitedly talking among themselves. Several times Jesus turned back to you and asked, what else had happened on your trip? But each time, before the chance to answer, someone in the crowd would interrupt and everyone in the crowd would talk at once. Until finally Jesus said, hey, let's go to a lonely place, a wilderness place all by ourselves and rest for a while. You thought, yes, that would be so great. Just to get away, us and Jesus, to get some rest. That would be a great thing, right? So to get away from the crowd, you get in the boat. You all cram yourselves in the boat. You're all excited to get away, have some time. And on the boat, you had a chance to tell some of your stories and even tell the story about the lame man. And as you neared the shore, someone said, oh, no. Look at the crowd, right? And there he's running along the shore, following the boat was this same crowd. And then again, you notice that this crowd was unlike the earlier crowds. So many men, so many young men. It was more like a, an army than a crowd, and you all felt nervous. And then Jesus said to all of you, there are three things I want you to learn today. And you hoped Jesus would send away the crowd. So you could. You want to hear these three things Jesus wants to teach you, right? And when you get out of the boat, the crowd came running up hopeful, expectant. You too looked at Jesus hopeful, hopeful that he would send them away, right? But when he saw them, you could see his eyes sort of glisten, right? And as he moved towards them in compassion, you could hear him say, they're like sheep without a shepherd. And then he led them to this green, grassy hillside that acted like a a natural amphitheater. And he began to teach them these men, these angry men who are ready for a revolution. And at first you thought maybe you would just give them a short talk, maybe something pithy and, and memorable, and then send them all home, right? But Jesus was just really excited and passionate. And he taught them about God's kingdom, about how that kingdom would come. And they asked questions. And before too long, you realized Jesus was not sending them away. Then so you started to wonder if you would ever be able to get away and to get some rest. And as the afternoon wore on, you started to calculate. By the time you'd be able to disperse the crowd and try and figure out a meal for the group, it would be well past dark. And so you began to talk to the other disciples. Jesus is out of control here. So you he agreed that you needed to interrupt him, right? That you needed to, to, to let Jesus know what's really happening here. And so Peter went up to Jesus and told him, this is a lonely place, a wilderness place, and it's getting late. Send them away so they can go and find something to eat for dinner. Peter didn't address him as Lord or rabbi, right? No term of respect. Because he's got to sort of straighten Jesus out. He put his hand on Jesus' shoulder and informed Jesus that, informed, let Jesus know this, right? Maybe Jesus had forgotten that they were in a desolate place in the wilderness, far from any food. And since Jesus had gotten so carried away with teaching the crowd, and because he wasn't paying attention to our plan to get away, right? And to get some rest, he reminded him that it was also getting late, Jesus, in case you hadn't noticed. Now, you would look back on the story and you would laugh, right? Remember those times when we tried to manage Jesus? Can you remember those times when you tried to manage Jesus? When we thought he didn't fully understand what was going on and and we needed to remind him of the facts? Peter was pretty slick, right? He could see Jesus' compassion for these people. So he appealed to Jesus' compassion and said, I'm concerned these people won't be able to get something to eat. And so Jesus replies, well, you give them something to eat. (laughs) And then Matthew, the tax collector, does a quick calculation, right? (laughs) There are at least 5,000 people here. And uh, so he says, are we to go and spend $25,000 to feed these people dinner? Looking back on the story, you realize how much Jesus frustrated you. You felt like you had to manage him because he didn't think about practical things like feeding people, including yourselves. He was so caught up in his teaching or his compassion, he didn't think about dinner or the rest of your plan to get away. And so he asked, well, how much bread do you have? And you did a quick survey, right? And with the tone that you hoped would finally bring Jesus to face the facts, you told him, well, we have, Jesus, we have exactly five loaves of fish. Oh, and, and five loaves of bread. And, yeah, two fish, too, right? That's all we got. <laughs> and then... The miracle happens, right? The miracle happens. Jesus tells you to seat the people in groups of, of 50 and hundreds, and he uses language that one would use for a banquet, right? Please ask them to be seated, and your waiter will be with you shortly, right? <laughs> he thanks God for the bread and, and the fish, and he breaks it, and he keeps breaking it and breaking it and breaking it, and there's more and more and more bread, and there's more and more fish. And half an hour later, as you are sitting there on, in the grass with Jesus after serving everyone, Jesus turns to you and says, Did you learn the three lessons I wanted you to learn today? <laughs> and you go, Jesus, you've been so busy with this crowd, you haven't taught us anything, right? <laughs> Here are the three lessons that Jesus wanted us to hear that day, right? The first lesson is pay attention to the interruptions. It is good for us to make plans, but God oftentimes speaks to us most clearly in the interruptions, in the things that are not part of the plan. We tend to see interruptions as things that are keeping us from what we are supposed to be doing, but we need to ask what God might be inviting us into in a particular interruption. Jesus had made a plan, go away to a desert place, a place of solitude, to be away and get some rest. But that plan gets interrupted by this crowd, this group of sheep without a shepherd. They were looking for a shepherd. They were looking for a shepherd like King David, one who could lead them in military victory. And in this interruption, Jesus sees an opportunity to teach them what the good shepherd is like. (laughs) He made them lie down in green pastures. And we'll see next week that he will lead them beside still waters. He prepares a table before them. And their baskets overflow with leftovers. Pay attention to the interruptions. Whether in your own life that interruption is from a panhandler on the street or from one of your children. Don't immediately go, no, I can't. Allow yourself to be open to the compassion of Jesus. We need to pray every day that we might have Jesus' eyes, right? Eyes to see the people and the interruptions around us the way that Jesus would see them. To see them not as threats or interruptions to our good plan, but to see them as sheep indeed in need of a shepherd. Pay attention to interruptions and don't be afraid yourself to be an interruption. Don't be afraid to make that phone call. Or to extend that invitation or to just show up at someone's house and say, hey, how you doing? The second lesson he wants us to remember is fullness comes in surrender, not in pride or domination or lust. Goody reminded us last week of what we call these Markin sandwiches, right? These sandwiches that we find in the Gospel of Mark when he Mark inserts between two passages that sort of belong together something that doesn't seem to fit. When you look at it, you realize that Mark is trying to make a theological connection for us. Mark tells us that he sends the disciples out two by two and then inserts the story of the beheading of John the Baptist between that sending and the return of the disciples in verse 30. And part of what John, or excuse me, Mark is doing is wanting to contrast the banquet of Herod with the banquet Jesus serves in the wilderness to the 5,000. Herod's dinner guests were told were the most powerful people in Galilee, the military leaders, the powerful people. Jesus' guests were common folk, sheep without a shepherd. Herod's guests were reclining there in that banquet hall. Jesus' guests were reclining there in the green grass. Herod's party was characterized by lust, and pride, and power, and domination. And it ends up in murder. Jesus' party is characterized by abundance, out of five loaves and two fish, yes, and by people being filled and satisfied. Everyone had enough. Herod's kingdom is characterized by achieving power and using it to assert yourself over others. Jesus' kingdom is characterized by surrendering whatever you have to Jesus, even this little bit of a few loaves of bread and a few fish, surrendering to Jesus and doing whatever he tells you. The second lesson Jesus has for us is this, the way of fullness, the way of satisfaction is surrendering what you have no matter how little and doing with it whatever Jesus says. Even if that looks foolish or pointless, or inconsequential. And then the third lesson Jesus wants us to learn is that God can spread a table in the wilderness. I can imagine as they're sitting there on that hillside eating Jesus, quoting to them Psalm 78. Psalm 78 is a long psalm. I won't read all of it, but it retells the story of God's faithful and miraculous care for his people and delivering them out of Egypt, and being in the and in their wanderings in the wilderness in the exodus. And then in verse 17 Psalm 78 says but they the people of Israel continued to sin against God rebelling in the wilderness against the most high. They willfully put God to the test by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God. They said, can God really spread a table in the wilderness? True, he struck the rock and water gushed out. Streams flowed abundantly. But can he also give us bread? That people in the wilderness didn't think God could set a table for them. And God proved to them that he could. And Jesus, here in the story, proves once again that God can spread a table in the wilderness. That he can give his people bread. Remember the sandwich? How did he send the disciples out into the village? With nothing but a staff, right? Could God provide for them in that mission? And they came back saying, yes, God gave us more than enough, even though he took nothing with us. As God provided for his people in the Exodus, God can provide for us, which means that we need not be afraid of the wilderness, of the places in our lives where we have little or no resources. One of the commentators on this passage said that the turning point in the story is when Jesus sees the crowd and he is moved in his gut with compassion. I wonder if we fail to live the abundant lives Jesus calls us to because we find ourselves moved towards compassion. We see the needs of those around us. But then we begin to do the calculations in our head. There are so many people, cost this much, I can't possibly do this, right? And so we shut it down. We send them away. We turn away. We don't look. There are 5,000 people. And all we have is five loaves and two fish. And we will be overwhelmed by the needs of these people. So let's just send them away. We are afraid of compassion because the need is so great and we don't have enough. And Jesus wants to say to us, can God spread a table in the wilderness? Can he also give us bread? Yes, he can. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we are sorry for the ways that we have tried to manage you, tried to take what we think is most practical and reasonable and to shut down your heart of compassion, your love, your mercy. Lord, we confess that we feel easily overwhelmed by the needs of those around us, easily overwhelmed even by the prospect of being in fellowship with one another. We keep one another at a distance lest someone else's needs might overwhelm me or my needs might overwhelm someone else. Lord, help us to live trusting in your provision. Help us to live full, abundant lives, lives where we risk counting on you to provide what we need. And that through us people around us, might come to know the Good Shepherd. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.